Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oh, South Kakalaka! Don't you dare be sour! Clap for your world-famous full-time champs and feel the power! It's a new day, yes it is! For 12-Pack Radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news in the home of the Beta Rank College Football Statistical Model. We are coasting. We got, we got like, Dr. Feelgood blasting in the background. We're on this train that is going to make a screeching halt in week zero very soon. But before we get there, we are going to talk again, taking deep dives through two new teams. We're going to do Arizona State and Oregon State. And to do that and talk Pac-12 football and, uh, and look at fall camp, which has started we're going to look at the Big Ten media deal. And to do all of that, I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Rob Bowron from Sharp College Football. What is going on, Rob? Oh, not much. I'm, I'm about to disappear out into the wilderness and do some backpacking. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> I finished all th- all 30 preview videos. Like, I, I'm feeling good. There you go. There you go. Well, uh, build that log cabin. Get some Wi-Fi in there just in case uh, these media yeah. deals drop. Um, thanks, everybody, for joining us. You can find us on Twitter at 12-Pack Radio, 1-2-P-A-C Radio. SharpCollegeFootball.com is where you can find all the beautiful advanced stats that we'll be using in this show. And uh, basically, advanced stats for any team that you've ever wanted for free. SharpCollegeFootball.com and our Sharp College Football YouTube page where Rob, as he has just mentioned, just rocked through 30 previews of teams as we go. Rob, let's, let's start right out of the gate. We got fall camp going. I was excited. I was excited. I'm not going to lie, though. Not as many beat reporters you know, as, as there, there yeah. used to be. So it's been a little bit more difficult to get the news that we're kind of used to when it comes to, um, you know, who, who's in the, who's in the first string, who's the second string, who's fighting, who's up, who's down like that, that kind of stuff matters because it helps our projections as we move into the beginning of the season. Um, so I just want to give a shout out. I think it's Christian Capel, the, uh, the beat writer for Washington, his stuff on the athletic is excellent. It's very good. Um, Michael Lev, uh, as always is excellent. So I just want to highlight some of the writers that are doing a good job. And if I missed a couple, it's just cause I haven't seen you on Twitter recently. So, so don't take it personally. Um, uh, Antonio Morales at uh, USC that does the athletic stuff, and then uh, Angie uh, Angie Burchado over at uh, Beaver Blitz is is very good. She's really plugged in the program. So uh, shout out to all those sources where our uh, our fall previews are going to begin here. One of the things I wanted to highlight as as we start, Rob, was there was some question you know, as as we're looking at kind of the developments of fall camp of who the quarterback would be for Oregon State and Arizona and. It seems as if, like, you know, at the Pac-12 Media Days, you know, Michael Lev had talked about this before during spring camp, that it really looked like Jaden Delore was the guy. And for all intents and purposes, like, he's getting the majority of the snaps. He is the person that they've put in the driver's seat. Um, if he loses this, it will be because he lost it, not because um, Jordan Jordan uh, McLeod beat yeah. him out. Um, 
which which if if there's a real competition, that's kind of exciting, right? I think it's it's more yeah. of an upside there because there there is a there is a uh, a floor for Delore and it's it's fairly high. Um, so you know we have that going on over at Oregon State. We thought a little bit. I was, I was wondering if uh, Tristan Jebbia was going to push Chance Nolan. I I just have not been that impressed with Nolan. I mean, obviously the running game for Oregon State is excellent, but looks like Nolan same same thing. He's the guy. If Jebbia pushes, it will be because Nolan has kind of been a mess in camp, and that doesn't seem like it's it's been the case. Uh, anything jump out to you there, Rob? I, I just it was nice to see clarity at the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought McLeod played better than Delora in the spring game, but it's also possible that Delora is you know really still picking up the um, picking up the playbook. What I mean, the main thing with Fish is. Last season, he seemed to have really settled on Gunnar Cruz. Um, and in some ways, you could argue that a, a lot of the season, he almost had like Gunnar Cruz tunnel vision. <laughs> and, you know, like Cruz had every opportunity to, you know, hold on to the job, played so, so poorly in games. Um, and then as soon as McLeod got hurt, Cruz got first crack again, and he was awful up until he got hurt um and so like having watched i mean as our friends like hippolyte pointed out like having watched fish make a bad decision once you just really want to make sure that like they're they're making the right to like the you know if you're going to settle on the guy that like you don't have time like in Dolores got far better like has looked far better in actual football games than Gunnar Cruz so I don't want to like make it seem like I'm making that comparison but um, I think you're right like Delora is going to have every opportunity to hold on to this job if it is um, he will you know like he, if it if he does lose it it will be because he lost it um, <clears throat> through poor play um, the 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 competition might be for number two between McLeod and Fafita, the the freshman they brought in, who is like all of five six, I think, um, and uh, but can sling it and and uh, was playing you know played pretty well in practice today, according to all uh, the observers. Uh, you know, look shifting over to USC, just basic fall camp notes. These things, by the way, are going to continue to sharpen up as the more and more practices. Most of the camps have been you know day one, day two. I think Arizona's at day four. Um, Washington, I think, is at day three at this point. So, you know, shifting over to ASU, we saw Jordan Addison on the field. That was exciting. Uh, USC is writing checks that they can't cash, apparently. Um, I guess, like, just talking about USC for a sec, I was listening to the uh, Pac-12 Apostles, and they were talking about Pac-12 Media Day and how, you know, most people come in wearing the polo shirts. And, you know, it's like, it's kind of a vacation. Like, you know, it's nice to talk football. People take it fairly casually. And then in comes USC and they're like suit and tie. And they like, they specifically are dressing up more than everybody else. And their official Twitter account, when they tweet out the Pac-12, they do it with a lowercase p now. Like, it is so petulant for for, yeah. for a program that went four and eight last year and a program that is consistently underperformed, you know, like take, take a minute, you know, like you, you don't need to, you don't need to, to make these statements all around. Like you're not in the big 10 for the next couple of years. Um, yeah. your defense is going to be bad. So let's, let's maybe just, just tone it down a little bit before we start the season for the love of all that's good in the world. I don't know. Am I being, am I being oh, no, too they sensitive? absolutely refuse to do that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, USC fan, I mean, you cannot, I mean, my, 
oddly enough, like I was having this conversation, uh, my CEO and I spent a lot of time together when I was out in LA recently. He's a big USC fan booster. And, um, he's like, no, no, like USC's absolutely winning the conference this year. And I was like, that defense was really, really bad. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> um, and the fallback answer from everyone is like, oh, they're the most talented team. <clears throat> and just to be clear, are they? That that has never impeded USC from <laughs> falling flat on their face yeah. in the past. <laughs> so I I mean but I also, you know, and like I I was talking about this at the end of last season with Grinch anyway at Oklahoma. I think there are real questions about Alex Grinch. I think he this is a real prove it year for him, whether Riley sticks with him. Um, and so I think people have these assumptions, right, that like USC is bringing in like a defensive ace and Alex Grinch. Um, his time at Oklahoma was up and down and last year mostly down compared to what you'd like to see out of him. So I, I'm I'm a, like I'm I'm like Utah. People should not undersell the Utes like the Utes are bringing back a lot. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, they have tremendous staff continuity. Um, they're bringing back rising, you know, who absolutely knows the ins and outs of the offense. Um, you know, like as I was going through and listening to, to somebody talking about like who the, who the Utes are going to have at linebacker. I'm like, yeah, they're just going to be fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're just going to be fine. Um, you'd like a little more on defensive line, you know, maybe, but I'm sure someone will emerge and they'll be like, Utah goes in at wins in Florida. Like they should be okay. Yeah. I just, I, I think USC needs to tone it down a bit. Right. Like I I'm, I'm excited to see this offense in particular. I think this offense could really click and put it together. Um, but I'm definitely in the camp of the, the defense is, is maybe not there. Yeah. I mean, they, they were the guy that showed up to like the Sandals Resort, right? In a full suit. And you're like, come on, man, we're in the Bahamas. Like, just, just chill out for a sec. Like, you know, I don't know, that, that bothered me a little bit. Uh, you know, moving over to a few more fall camp notes. One of the things that was a total bummer was uh, uh, Elifocio, the inside linebacker from Washington. Uh, you know, the news came out that he's likely not back until at least October, which would make me think late October. Which yeah. is which is a bummer, right? And like it's it's interesting because they have some interesting pieces at linebacker that can fill them. They got Washington got Cam Bright and a couple other players from the transfer portal. They got the All American uh, Conference USA player from UAB that's pushing on that second line, you know, for trying to get into that f first string. So th there's some pieces there, but damn, you know, like I I just he's been there for a while. He's kind of been the heart of that, that defense. Well, I mean like the, the secondary is really the heart, but like Elifoshio, I think is, is a leader on that team. And yeah. I really hope he gets back soon. At Washington, the quarterbacks, the order was uh, Michael Penix, Dylan Morris with Sam Heward a third in the first practice. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Well, they were rotating this week. Yes. So the ne the next one Heward got for, I think, or maybe Dylan Morris got first snaps. But yeah, they were rotating. So this week, I mean, what I don't know what happened today, but I thought maybe at the end of like this week, they might start to suss it out a little bit, but we'll see. I don't know, man. Yeah, and you're right. You're right. They they did talk about cycling through that stuff, but first day, and you got Sam Heward playing with the rookies on like the field that the, yeah. the media isn't on. <laughs> like, just, he's already suffered enough. Yeah, I know for the love of God. Um, yeah, we'll we'll keep a lookout for that. Hopefully, that is a really competitive race because you want that. Like these are three really fascinating quarterbacks at Washington. Oregon State running backs are looking good. You know, oh, count me a surprise. Although Trey Lowe is starting to, to make a little bit of noise there, which is kind of exciting. Um, and, uh, and Damian Martinez, the true freshman. So I, I, 
expect, you know, surprise shocker, you know, expect Oregon State's running game to be good again, um, which might boost them up uh, a little bit on, on some people's rankings as the years, uh, as the, the season progresses. A- anything else? That's kind of all I have so far. You know, I'm keeping my spidey senses out for other camp notes. So if you have anything, by the way, if, if like, if you're covering a team or if you're listening to the show and like, and we don't cover a player that's just killing it in fall camp, like, let us know. I mean, there, there are those, those camp heroes, you know, <laughs> don't do not do not <laughs> do not hit me up on Twitter with the like, I mean, cause every beat, right? Like every coach and beat writer is like, Oh, like there'll be somebody that's been like working their butt off. Right. That's like a walk on. Yeah. And like, they'll take an opportunity to like talk them up. And then like the fan base like, will like sit around all year and be like, Oh, I wonder when they're going to play. Like, right. Like, and they won't. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Like, so do not like, do not hit me up with like random walk on, like was getting talked up by the coach on like, you know, on filler day in camp. Right. Like, um, I, I am interested, like, I am excited to see, like, I think of like Bradley and I, who really started to emerge like prior to 2019, like in the um, spring and then in fall camp, there was starting to be a lot of chatter around him, around, you know, uh, Utah um, coming into the year as somebody that could break out. That's the kind of stuff that you want to, you want to sort of, you know, maybe hear and see. I, you know, it was interesting. Pro football focus had EJ Smith as a potential breakout player from Stanford, the running back. And I was like, in my head, I was like, yeah, I mean, his tape looks great. Um, but his Scott Stanford's offensive line. Yeah. <laughs> Still, like, like I, I was, it was one of those ones of like, oh man, he's probably going to play in the NFL, but he's going to rush for like, he's not going to do anything in college. But it's, it's so, so depressing. Um, get it together, Stanford. Yeah, totally agree. The, the other thing too, is if there are transfers into your program that like legitimately are pushing, like, I want, I, I don't want, like you're mentioning Rob, the, Oh, so-and-so is working his tail off. And like, he has a real chance to push. I want this transfer is in the, in the ones. Right. And, and he like immediately stepped on and he started, you know, cracking skulls. That's what I want to know. So if, if you got your head on a swivel, let us know, happy to mention it on the show. And it's always good to put in the file in our spreadsheets here. Uh, Rob, there's been a little bit of news on the, the broadcast, you know, angle of who's going where in the conference and stuff. What, what do we got coming out of the big 10 here? Yeah. I mean, I will say like, and, and people keep doing like, you remember like when Kevin Warren, like, God, man, Kevin Warren really puffed his chest out at like big 10 media days. And everyone like read his comments as like, Oh, they're going to still be expanding. And I was like, no, no, you misread it. Like they're not like they're not. And then there were all these like walkbacks from like big 10 presidents <laughs> and athletic directors. Like, actually we're not really looking to expand at all. Um, and then people had, again, like the Nebraska president today, like, or Nebraska AD the other day and said like, Oh, there's like big changes coming. And everybody's like, Oh, realignment. And I'm like, no sucker is like, this is going to be governance. Like it sounds boring, but it's going to change the sport. But the news that dropped today, I think is really important. And this is somewhat expected. It was, it, it matches up what had been leaked a little bit earlier out, um, which is that Fox, if it's the, the big 10 contract, the three major net, and there's going to be three major networks on it. And it's Fox, CBS and NBC with Fox taking, you know, the first pick for their big noon game. And then I like CBS getting the second pick for their a three their their three thirty slot, which used to go to the SEC, and then NBC looking for a primetime game to butt up against Notre Dame games. 
that's really interesting because the name that you don't see there, which has had a contract with ESP or with with the Big Ten for 40 years, is ESPN. But to be fair, I mean, I think a lot of people are going to look at this as if like, oh man, shots fired, right? Like <laughs> Fox keeps ESPN out of you know the Big Ten contract, and I don't think that's necessarily the case because I think if you look at what the ESPN has in signing the SEC deal that they have, they're going to put, they're going to basically take CBS's 3.30 SEC time slot, right? And then they're also going to have the pick of either, because they also wholly own the ACC, the pick of either the best ACC or SEC game, likely an SEC game again, to put in prime time. And they've largely... And I mean, you I, 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 like it's hard to remember that it, you know a time that ESPN really went toe to toe with Fox for Big Noon. They've sort of just ceded that space to Fox, and so I think this is actually more of a case of like CBS and NBC were willing to outbid ESPN because ESPN likely already has great content for the, those time slots that CBS and NBC want, right? Because I think a lot of people are going to look at, like I say this, and I want to frame it this way, because I, I think people are going to frame this, that Fox and ESPN, which like traditionally in a lot of cases have split rights, right? You know, and and I think they, people want to look at this and say like, oh, like that's not going to be the case going forward. It's going to be all Fox and all ESPN. And that might be somewhat true. And that could certainly play out. Like I don't want to dismiss and say that's not likely um, it's just, I don't think it's the most likely scenario here. My expectation would still be that ESPN and Fox split on the new PAC 12 deal. Like they're going to need, now Fox probably needs less inventory now, but ESPN needs inventory for, for ESPN, for ESPN two, right? Like those all show, you know, there's, there's four games, right? You know, there's, you know, two games right there on the ESPN, you know, networks. And there's a game on FS1 that you FS1 that you have to fill out there still. And I, I just I think they likely split is my is my guess. Like now people are gonna take this and look and say, like, oh, this is it. Like ESPN's gonna sign like all of the Pac-12 or something like that. And Fox is gonna sign all of the Big 12. But I actually don't think that that setup would really meet either network's needs very well. I think when you look at like I think people are overhyping this like battle to the death, right? Like it's clearly not a battle to the death. Like Fox is not buying all of the big 10 inventory, like CBS and NBC are in. right? Yeah. I mean like Coke and Pepsi probably high five themselves all the time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, no, we I mean like it, Fox, yeah. Fox and ESPN worked together to kill Texas, you know, the Texas to the PAC 12 deal years ago. Um, you know, because NBC was going to make that deal and Fox and ESPN worked together to kill it. So, does that like does, what's the big takeaway for the Pac-12 given all that information? So the big takeaway, I mean, one, it's good for them because the the ESPN might want a bigger selection of games to put on because they're gonna like yeah ESPN ABC is gonna have games in that three thirty window right so they're gonna have three games to fill there one of those is going to your top billing SEC game. Another one might go to your second billing SEC game, that kind of thing, right? But they might want 
another, like, I mean, in addition to the ACC, they might want another game there. And that could either come, those games could either come from the Pac-12 or the Big 12. But there's really no one positioned to cover West Coast Prime like the Pac-12 still. Um, And largely, I think a lot of numbers have been thrown around. I don't think those are accurate. And even some of the numbers I've seen from like those navigate numbers. I don't think the original ones were done very well. And I said that when they came out because they had the PAC 12 making the same amount of money with USC and UCLA gone as the big 12 was going to make with Texas and Oklahoma gone. And that didn't make sense. So I look, I just, I, I think the PAC 12 is in a decent position. I think the fear, if you're a Pac-12 fan, like the one thing that could really screw things up is if like the truth of it is, is that ESPN and Fox are really not actually going to play nice because then they would have to break up the conference in order to fill their West Coast prime needs. And that like, I think that is the less likely scenario because it would really comp like finding a home within ESPN or Fox for that to work would be nearly impossible. Like, because like in that case, like, what are you going to do? Like hive off part of the Pac-12 and like have them join the ACC, right? To get on the, to get on ESPN or like ESPN buys out all of the big 12. They don't want all of the big 12. Like no way. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll take a look and see what else leaks as things continue. I'm starting to see all these stories percolate on Twitter. You know, all the details of the television deals, et cetera. So uh, more to come on that front. Let's get into the Arizona and the Oregon State deep dives here. We'll start with with Oregon State and we'll do it right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. We're talking Oregon State football. We're taking a deep dive into the program. And similar like we did last time, Rob, instead of giving a grade to each, you know, um, each each position group, we're going to just call it a strength or a weakness. We're going to use ambiguous terms so that possibly we can, you know, uh, disagree on stuff. We can kind of keep things relative here in terms of, uh, you know, program to program. What's a strength? What's a weakness? Oregon State, you know, coming out of the gate, with a, just an excellent running game, but I think everything starts at the quarterback position. Uh, Chance Nolan, like we had mentioned at the beginning of the show, likely the QB one here, um, pretty much has that locked down. I think it's a weakness. I I just do not believe, you know, like look, Nolan made a huge leap between the first year, you know, out of JUCO during the COVID year. He was a disaster. Um, you know, just bad decisions, bad completion rate. Looking this year, like, you know, this past year, he was fine, but that 
that offense was was run on the ground and Nolan fit the part sometime but there were like multiple games where I mean he had 10 passes and he completed like six of them and most of them were for about eight yards or not eight yards but like six yards and I'm just I just don't I just don't think he brings a lot to the table to Oregon State um and I was so disappointed that they didn't go out in the portal and find somebody that can really open the offense even more. But I mean, it's, I mean, maybe he grows into, into the role again. He makes another leap. I think this is his last year. What do you think, Rob? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, I mean, the one option that you sort of like need to keep in the back of your mind, of course, is like the big leap that Jake Luton made in year two. Right. Um, but, but Luton was like, balls of the wall chucking right. that like, ball. was more like making mistakes like i don't think they really rely on chance nolan for much at all i mean part of it is they were quite good running the football last season right oh, yeah. like yeah. this is the number 16 overall offense last year in beta rank they were number 11 in effective rush i mean like if it ain't sort of it's like if it ain't broke don't fix it right where they sucked though is like 42 explosive drives and given how well they run the ball the fact that they like I mean, and you could sort of like, we, we sort of like, they, they don't have Utah's explosive running game. Let's start there. And they also don't have like, they did not hit a bunch of like big passing plays over the middle of the way Utah did. But man, if you put like one wide receiver, <laughs> who could, who could, because like play action's going to be there, right? Yeah. For them, they just really strong. Like they really could not. Get that now. I like. Uh, I mean, I think they have a really good tight end and Luke Musgrave, but yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I don't think the wide receivers are particularly good, and I don't think no one's really good either. And it's weird. And I know people that are looking at this. If you're looking at his stats, they look fine, right? Like 64% completion rate, 2,600 yards, 19 touchdowns, the 10 interceptions. So like, he absolutely made a big leap between the COVID year and and 2021. I mean, like, we're still in the COVID year, but you know what I mean. But if you watch those games, there are multiple times where you're just watching the offense. And you're just going like, man, he's just he just isn't he isn't like blowing the lid off of anything. You could tell that like that teams were playing around his weaknesses, right? Right, or or lack of strengths might be the better way of putting it. Where like you know he can throw it down the field, but he's not great, you know, yeah. great, great at it. Like even though like eight yard eight point four yards per attempt, like. That seems like a lot, but I I watched those games and I'm I need to I need to see it with my own eyes if he can really make that offense grow more because if he does, I think you, now you're starting to talk about Oregon State as a bowl team because and we'll get to the defense here the the defense is is a bit of a mess you know it has him listed as like a sophomore so he must have a, a couple of years left I, he was a JUCO transfer maybe he transferred in early Oregon State fans if you want to explain that to me go ahead and do so. Um, anything else yeah. on the, on the quarterback here before we get into the running backs? Because I think this is fun. I mean, like, yeah, I mean like, no, I mean, Nolan wasn't asked to push. I mean, even though that 8.4 per, right. Like as with as much as they're running the football, um, he wasn't asked to do a whole lot. Right. Um, and that's where like, you know, the, with Jebbia, I mean, it'll be interesting. Cause like, I, I will say this about Jonathan Smith, right? Like, it's not like if Jebbia is playing better than Nolan, like Jebbia is going to play. You know, like, I, I just, it's, it's, I'm with you. Like, it's just frustrating that this is where we find ourselves that like Smith has not been like, they have not been able to cobble or recruit or get through the transfer portal. Anybody. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like, come on, guys. Like, and and who knows? I, I, you know, I'm not there at recruiting. I'm not buried in that. It's something something that we follow on this show. But it just it looks it looks frustrating. I'm I'm kind of bummed about it. But um, we'll see. Maybe it's possible that to your point, he makes makes another leap like you saw with Luton and Luton certainly made the leap, but you, you could kind of see it with Luton the, the first year. You're like, Oh man, this, this guy, this guy can chuck that ball around. It might be the other player, but he's, he's willing to do it. And I just, I didn't see those reins, you know, let go with Nolan and they didn't ask him to do a lot, you know, moving over to the running back position here, Rob. So I, I mean, I guess you have to call it a strength there. Angie Machado was talking about, you know, Trey Lowe, starting to yeah. really make some noise and practice. I, and, but one of the things, and she mentioned this too, it's like, which is, and she said that first statement. And then the second statement was like, which is good because we didn't see a lot of production. You know, out of him. Now, obviously BJ Baylor, who, whom, by the way, I didn't think was going to be nearly as good as Jamar Jefferson. I was wrong. That, that was a, um, that was a take that I had that certainly didn't come to fruition. Um, I do think that the offensive line, and we'll get to that as like a big, part of this but you know you have a couple transfers here you have low uh who was a transfer last uh two years ago i think um uh he came over from washington you have uh the uh the south carolina transfer you have the georgia state transfer like they, they clearly wanted to bring players in here and i think as much as we complain about oregon state not getting into the transfer portal for a quarterback yeah. uh they certainly did that here and i i, I just trust them right i i just i just yeah. think at this point they get the benefit of the doubt no, I mean, like these guys have another year in the weight room, you know, like another year, you know, of what has been really good coaching, you know, in the, in the running game. Like, I think they're going to be fine. Like this, this, I feel like is like going to be a B plus one of these guys is going to step up and be pretty good. And then the other guy is also going to get a bunch of carries too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Deshaun Fenwick, you know, is pushing for some time here. Um, like I had mentioned in the podcast before, like I don't think Damian Martinez is going to see the field. Like he'll see the field. I'm, actually, he will see the field. I don't yeah. think he's the number one guy, but I just like, you know, plant that flag now or like plant that seed, right? And watch that tree grow in a year or two where you're like, ah, my, 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 to mix my metaphors, like I'm going to cash in that stock because I bought it yeah. low. I do think well, that. Well, Nolan, Nolan carried it 70 times last year, too. I mean, like that's, yeah. that's a non, I mean, not that he is like some massively athletic dude, but he's he's pretty athletic for his size. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and like, and that's something that you have to take into consideration as you're taking a look at what they're able to do on that front. Um, you know, shifting over to the offensive line, I just I love like if if you've listened to this podcast, you know that we have like our I Heart Mahalchek t-shirts and they're up and they're framed and they're signed by him. I mean, he's just such a great offensive yeah. line coach, and I've just been shocked at a that um, Oregon State has been able to keep him. And he, right. right? Like, I mean, did he, did he, who knows? Who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe he's like, you know, maybe he's a total jerk in the, in the background and people have to deal with him. But I haven't, I haven't heard that at all, actually. Like, um, you see, you know, he seems like one of those guys, like he was at Cal and then he was at Arizona and then he's at like Oregon State. Like he seems to like just enjoy just getting to like, just getting to show up and work and not have to deal with drama. Which, hey, I can appreciate that, right? Like, you know, no stress. <laughs> just just get good big guys and get them out there. And there's not as much pressure to um, recruit the the best possible blue chip, you know, which I hope he, I hope he does at some point. Like, he has such a good track record. But if, yeah. if you take a look at this, I mean, you got – you return Joshua Gray. You return uh, Marco Brewer, who started a guard um, when, when uh, uh, Levin Good got hurt. 
who's the center center returns uh brandon kipper returns at, at a um uh, at right guard he played tackle i think this is great like th- this is a strength like they, they they return enough players they have enough people in the two deep and they got one of the best coaches in the country at offensive line like right i mean i think that's that's yeah, don't overthink it. Like this is like, just do not. Oregon State's offensive line is going to be fine. Do not hurt yourself trying to like. I mean, bar like the one thing, of course, is like if there were a lot of injuries, like sure, like things could go very sideways. But like my guess is they're going to be fine on the offensive line. Here's why I think they're not going to win a bowl or get to a bowl. If you take a look at the wide receivers, and you had just mentioned this, woof, yeah. Um, and even, even as I was listening to, uh, Angie on, on her show, you know, she's talking about like, so there was this, like, they have gone to the transfer portal, right? Treshawn Harrison, uh, Micah Tung are former four-star players. Tyjon Lindsay was a high three-star player that they brought in from Nebraska. Like on paper, there's pedigree and talent here. I, I just haven't seen it though. Like, and it doesn't seem like they have it. Like the, the coaches were in the ear of Harrison in the last practice. Cause he didn't finish his route. And like, if you, if you Oof. take a look at his body type and like what he brings to the table athletically, it kind of, I don't know. Right. This is one, this is one story out of practice, but like, I assume that Harrison was going to day one, boom, he's going to be on there and be a force. And that hasn't been the case. And now, you know, I just, I don't know if they're going to get separation from corners and I don't trust chance Nolan. <laughs> so like, I just, right. there is a world where you have, um, Iowa light, but with a, you know, like imagine Iowa with Jonathan. No, no, Smith. no, no, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, let's not, let's not compare them to the Bryant Ferentz special. All right. Like that's, that's, this is still a Jonathan Smith offense. <laughs> no, you're right. You're and I, I more mean like, in terms oh, just of like the, the pass run split, like three yards in a cloud of dust. And <laughs> yeah, this is way more creative. Imagine Iowa I, with him though. Man, I would be awesome. Like he'd be the perfect offensive coordinator for that program. What I would love is like, I mean, look, they're, they're likely not going to get like the, you know, the Chad Ochocinco's like in the transfer portal, like they did under Dennis Erickson. But I mean, not, they didn't have the portal back in those days, but they're likely not going to get those transfers. They had other means, Rob. They had other means. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like if it was Dennis Erickson, those guys probably got paid. But like, man, like the guy, like what I don't, they like, why don't they have like some like shifty undersized slot receiver that is just a pain to cover? That's what I don't get about this coaching staff is like, and, and Jonathan Smith, and I saw this in his like first or second game, like, I mean, that game at Ohio state, I mean, he hit the Buckeyes with a couple tunnel screens in that game. And I just look at this and I'm like, why don't we have, like, why don't they have that guy? Why don't they have a Britton Covey type? Right. Yeah. Um, because like in this offense, in addition, cause I do think I do, I do think Luke Musgrave is pretty good. And I think he could break out a bit this year. I, you know, like if they had, like, I, I don't expect them, we should say fully, like, I fully don't expect them to get like an X wide receiver. That's going to be a difference maker. Um, they, but like why they can't go out and get like an undersized, like water bug type guy. I don't understand. Like, that's what this offense really needs. Well, they had the ultimate water bug last year in champ Fleming and like every year, at a camp, it's like, oh, Champ Fleming. I'm like, dude, the guy's like five six, 130 pounds. Like, he he can't yeah. he can't be the guy. Like, he can be fun, and he's you know, like, 
And dude, what I like, don't think they got. I mean, they got. He only had 15 receptions last year, right? Like, I just don't yeah. think he's the. I don't think. Like, I don't think it's about size. I don't think he was the guy. <laughs> no, and like, I mean, the guy was just. I mean, props to him, right? Like, because putting your body on the line in, in a dangerous sport at that size is is that it takes some balls, dude. But um, but he's gone. And, and to your point, they, I don't I don't know where that water bug guy is. Like, right? They still have Tyjon Lindsay, Anthony Gold, and uh, I think it's Silius B- Bolden. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of creative run schemes, a lot of ways to like you know um, play action. But like, you just don't quite have I just, the, the talent isn't there. And and maybe Musgrave gets like 800 yards and like eight touchdowns. But I think in this offense, that might be the ceiling for him. Uh, I mean, like if Musgrave, like if like this offense is going to be better than like, I I mean, like if one of their, you know, if they're, if they're wide receivers again, combined for like, you know, like their top two wide receivers combined for like 70 catches ish again. And then, but Musgrave's able to double his production. Like they're doing pretty good then. Yeah. But I mean, he had one touchdown last year. No, they they definitely need to find more. I mean, I get it. When you run the ball as well as they did, right? Like just punch it in. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, like he in particular, I think can be more dangerous in the passing game. But like that's something that uh, they need, like they need to find a way to do more. They do need to find, I think with Musgrave in particular, find a way to utilize him more. Here's one more question before we go to the defense. Are they getting too cute with Jack Coletto? Right? Like. Anytime, oh. anytime they're in like a, a position where they, they need, like he's always on the field and it's kind of like, it's a cool story and he's back by the way. And he's like playing tight end and running back and quarterback and punt blocker. But when you take a look, when you take a look at that team, it's like, I mean, this is a, this is a gimmick and I just want your offense to work. <laughs> you know, like I don't want, I, I don't know. It's, it, if it works, it works. And, and he has been really good at what he's doing, but it just strikes me as like too cute by half. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I mean, I agree. Like he's, it's a little too obvious what they're doing when he comes in. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, like if, now if they can use him and <clears throat> install, like what would I think would be more interesting if they used him and installed some different type of packages with him, like maybe something like a flex bone or something like something like where he's literally running something that it's not just like, Oh, Jack Coletto is coming in. I'm not like, cause chance Nolan already runs the football a decent amount. Right. Like, yeah. Um, you know, so like if, if you have, if you have Coletto in where it's something else you have to scheme for, whether it's like some version of an option or something like that. He just strikes me as like, you know, that eager beaver, beaver hire that you get. He does everything. He gets coffee. Yeah. He works his tail off. You're like, this guy's awesome. And then you promote him like to accounting and he just craps the bed. Like, he just can't handle yeah. like, you know, he can handle the, the, the tasks that you, you know, there, there's a, there's a ceiling on the tasks that you can do. Um, anyway, we'll see. I, it would be nice to see him in one position, do some cool stuff. Um, let's move, let's move to the defense here because by the way, like I know we're kind of dumping out of Oregon state, but. I view Oregon State as like the older brother that you have that is just so smart. And you're like, just if you just take a few more steps, you will be awesome. You know, (laughs) they just don't take the damn steps. Um, And and here we are. We're huge fans. I mean, like, that's the part. Like, I mean, I say that is like we're we're huge Jonathan Smith fans. Like, this is an incredible rebuilding job to get them to where they are. And now you want them to, like, take the, you know, take the next step. Right. Like, cause I mean, it's a, like he on his own is a good story, right? Like he's an alum, he comes back. Like, he's not like your prototypical, like 
coach in a lot of ways. Yeah. Right. Like he's not out. He's not out there like trying to get on as much TV as possible. That kind of thing. He comes back, totally cleans up like an absolute dumpster fire that he inherits for Gary Anderson. Like, turns one of the toughest jobs in college football into an extremely respectable team. And I are just like, all right, guys, like this, like, cause how much fun would it be if they were really good? <laughs> like, yeah. and I'm not saying all the time, but like where you could, they could put together a really good year every four years or something, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And then, you know, we've already talked about the, the lack of hire at the defensive coordinator position, they hire within, which yeah. we, we both are on the record of thinking that's a bad idea. When you take a look at the defensive line, I mean, I've seen these names for a while. Like Isaac Hodgins oh. at defensive end was injured last year, so he does return. Simon Sandberg, I've seen that. You know, Cody Anderson at, at the tackle. Now they have to replace the big Minnesota transfer. So that's a problem because that was one of the things where if you took a look at that defense over the couple last couple of years, when they have a big tackle who's solid, you know, like at least you – at least you get that plug in the middle. Maybe you get a little push up the center. We'll see what they're able to do on this front. I think this is a weakness, but like what, what was their, their rush, you know, their rushing defense. What, what did that look like last year? They were at 78. Okay. They're at 94 overall in beta rank and then 78 in effective rush 101 in effective pass. They oh. really, I mean, they struggled. They st- did not stop the run. Well, they did not get pressure on the quarter. I mean, like if you just look at like their tackles for the loss number, right? Like it's all linebackers until you get like to one defensive lineman last season, um, Chad, and then a bunch more linebackers. Right. <laughs> and, and look in some systems, that's the way it's just going to be. Cause you're, uh, you know, like your, your guys are playing two gap and the linebackers are the ones that are going to be looking to come downhill. But these guys aren't really, I mean, if they are attempting to play two gap, that's a really bad idea. Um, Cause none of these guys can play two gap, but they're just getting, I mean, they're just getting beat. Like they're not a, they're not a force to be reckoned with either rushing the passer or in the run game. They're bringing in, you know, FCS tackles. I don't know. I'm just, uh, I'm worried. I'm worried, Rob. If, if you go to the, the linebacking core, you know, Addison gums is gone. Um, you know, Omar Spates does return. And he's somebody to definitely like if he's got, he puts up numbers. I mean, but it feels like, uh, it feels like the leading scorer for the Knicks. Yeah. Right. Like somebody's got to put up numbers. <laughs> uh, Riley Sharp, Kerry Fisher. I don't know. I, I just, I think this whole defense, like, you know, spoil everything. Like this whole defense, I think is going to be bad. And I mean, I, the one thing, like they bring in like Andrew Chatfield, he's he's a Florida transfer that sat out last year, so that could be interesting. But I mean, between that and like if you look, there's like no depth in the secondary. They they were like starting walk-ons, and it's just this this defense is just like, could it be worse than last year? I mean, it could always be worse, right? Like Don Pelham, you know, was the defensive coordinator. <laughs> like everybody was like, oh, Brady Hoke's really bad, and then Don Pelham came, or vice versa. I forgot how it would, but like, you know, things can always go bad, bad to worse. Yeah, no, Brady Brady Hoke was the next one, and he was terrible. No, I mean, this is a really, I mean, this is a really, really bad defense. Uh, I mean, in theory, like, look, it maybe maybe can't get any worse, but. It's hard. Like what's hard is like seeing it get significantly better, you know, like without some significant schematic changes. Right. We we need to take advantage of this by looking at the, the win, not the win totals, but the, the game totals. I want to see the, the line on games where Oregon state plays a team that can throw the ball 
um, but can't defend the run. Cause you're going to see like 45, you know, 53. There's going to be a couple games like that because the defense is so bad. And because Oregon state is so effective at the running game. <laughs> like I just, <laughs> there's going to be a couple games that you can really, you'll be able to pick off from a gambling standpoint, but I like just looking at this team. Do you think this team makes a bowl? I just, I find it really difficult. Like I, I just, it's not a complete team. Uh, well, I mean, look, there's like the Pac-12 mostly really stunk last year. So let's start there. <laughs> um, you know, and, and look, this team last season had a terrible defense and still won a bunch of games, right? Yeah. And they had Chance Nellon at quarterback and still won a bunch of games. I got them projected it uh, when you count in the FCS game with just over six wins. I think they can get to a bowl. Um, you know, the tough, like the tough thing for them is they can't, they can't go Oh, and two versus Boise and Fresno. They got to win one of those. Like that's, that's, that, that might really determine a lot for them. They got to go to Fresno also. That game's going to be yeah. fun. Gosh, that, that week two, that week two, there's just like all these little sneaky non-conference games that are super fun. Um, Boise state, Fresno state, gosh, darn USC, Utah, Washington at Arizona state. The one thing is they get Arizona state late. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a big advantage. Yeah. Cause Arizona state might've already mailed it in by that point. Right. Like we still have no idea. I mean, like the NCAA should really just do everyone a solid and be like, we're not going to release. We're not going to send the, uh, the Herm notice of allegations until, you know, after the season's over. But <laughs> if, if they've like, leak out or you know get released in the middle of the season like that could really mess with things the other thing too is the games they have at home i think at usc at home that's interesting like it, it, oregon state's always good for one game where they just like it's cold and it's foggy and the crowd is crazy and the chainsaws going and like they're good for that once a year well they, they have the half stadium this year right like they blew up the other half <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, they get Colorado. They miss Arizona, which is, you know, like the one that you're like, I mean, that that always helps. Like when you get when you get the Colorado-Arizona combo platter, that really helps. <laughs> Double down on that, man. It's like, it's like. Yeah, I mean, like, like, but like as you get towards the end of the season, like the games that, like, again, like, so they need to win one out of Boise-Fresno. They definitely need to pick up a win against Stanford, right? Yeah. Um, they probably need to pick up a win against Wazoo. Um, that puts them at, that would put them at four wins, counting the FCS game. And then they just need to win two out of Colorado, Washington, California. I mean, that's the thing. Is like, can you can't yeah. really count Washington State as like a guaranteed win. Um but there's a there's a couple games that like I could see them like I don't think Washington's going to be like I think Washington's going to be a lot better than they were last year. I don't necessarily see Washington's being like a juggernaut though. Yeah, that's like true. we've got them projected at 36. Like they we've we've got Washington at home is about a five point favorite over Oregon State. And what were you able to do on Washington last year, Rob? <laughs> Run the football. <laughs> right. I mean, and like, and I'm not sure that that's fixed. Like, are you? No. Oh no, not at all. Not at all. Like I, I don't, I, like I'm not sure they have the bodies okay. for a defensive line, even if they're switching scheme and not, you know, relying on, um, you know, two down line anymore. So, like in terms of players to watch, I mean, who jumps out for that? That's that's what's so beautiful about this offense, right? Because like 
it's tra- Chance Nolan and Trey Lowe and Deshaun Fenwick. And I'm like, this is going to be one of the best offenses in the country. <laughs> <laughs> or at least in the conference, you know, like there aren't a lot of no, stars I mean, on be, here. Like, wouldn't you bet on them being a top? Tw- I mean, maybe not as quite the level they were last season, which was 16 overall. But I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect them to drop below 25. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Like that—that that, that is, I mean, like that's why Jonathan Smith is deserves many high fives because this this roster isn't great, but he's just able to put up points, and and that running game is going to be good. And you got Mahalchek and. Um, I mean, it's, it's whoever the, you know, the running, but whomever the main back turns out to be and Musgrave and the entire offensive line and, and then spite spates. Like, yeah. And right. that's it. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's move on to Arizona, a team that should be improved. And let's do it right after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we're back. We're talking Arizona football here. Just a just a rough year last year, rough freaking year. But like, <laughs> but even, even it was years. It was really like a true year zero, right? Like, holy Moses, it was a year. And like the thing, the thing was, and like, and you're you're gonna see this, I think, across all podcasting stream when you talk about Arizona. Like, they played hard. Their quarterbacks were bad, but you could see the offense move. Um, they moved the football well. Yeah, yeah. They didn't score points. That but they moved the football. <laughs> that was a problem. So I was on I was on um the Quack Twelve podcast talking about fish, and one of the things that I and like I talked about just the frustration that I saw with the red zone offense. I think that is an area where like even if you fix the quarterback, even if you get an upgrade, even if the offensive line improves, which I don't know if it will. I'm actually really worried about that. We'll get to that in a second. I w- I want to see I want to see some play calling that that isn't t- too cute by half. Um, yeah. or just incompetent because that fish did a great job moving the ball from the 20 yard line to the 20 yard line when his quarterback wasn't thrown to the other team. Um, which is just a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things before getting to the end point there. But, um, but that red zone red that red zone offense was, was pretty crappy. They do bring Jaden Delora, um, the second best quarterback in the pac 12, Rob, uh, your thoughts. I mean, holy crap. I mean, like, it's like you start with Jaden. I mean, like, so let's start with quarterback, right? Like, the quarter, like Arizona's best quarterback last season in his best game threw five interceptions. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, like, I was trying to explain to you because people are like, no, South Carolina had the worst quarterback play in the country last season. I'm like, maybe. Like, did they throw like Jordan McLeod threw five interceptions against Oregon? Um, like Gutter Cruz averaged below six yards an attempt. Oh my God. And had two two D TDs and three interceptions. Um, I mean, just unspeakably hideous quarterback play last season. Um, and look, McLeod. I mean, like when we got to see McLeod, when he if he avoided the interceptions, he was like a revelation. Yeah. Right. Like other than like it's like I mean it was a little bit like other than you know how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? You know, yeah. like yeah. with Jordan McLeod and the interceptions. But yes, like other than the interceptions, he was he was fun and fine. 
that I, look, and I, I do want to say like, I don't think the wide receivers were any good. And Correct. I think that hurt your, I think that hurt your quarterback. Yeah. And I think your quarter, whomever the quarterback was. And I think that hurt the offensive line. And I do want to say like, for the most part, and I call this out on the preview videos, like sacks and sack percentage are an offensive line stat. I mean, not an offensive line, they're a quarterback stat and a wide receiver stat, right? Cause like your quarterback's holding the damn ball too long waiting for people to get open or he's not making decisions. Right. And that's mostly true. I think for like, so look, I mean, with Delora coming on potentially, um, you know, McLeod being healthy, like you're in a better spot, right? Like lots of things should work better, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, like, like last season you'd have to give what Arizona, like a D at quarterback. If that, yeah, maybe an bad. F, yeah, I'm probably yeah, an F, but the, uh, <clears throat> like the flip of that is, is like, you know, like now with Delora in there, McLeod had flashes last season. Like you had, I would put them at like a B right. Like, I mean, like there, this, this feels like for this team, a strength. Yeah. For this team. Absolutely. Um, I was joking about him being the second best quarterback in the pac 12, but, but he is, he does have a high floor. He's going to be right. frustrating. I mean, we've seen this, like we know who he is. Right. Um, the one thing that that's interesting, and I'm going to have to keep an eye on this was that I'm reading more about Noah Fafita than Jordan McLeod. Um, yeah. in terms of that, which, which makes me, I'm one, I, I liked McLeod. I thought that he, if he doesn't get injured in that UCLA game, um, Arizona wins. Now there wasn't a lot of tape on him. Right. Uh, and, uh, like Arizona completely revamped its offense when it played Oregon, when he, when he played, um, which is why they were able to move the ball so quickly, but like he was, we were still able to do it. Um, so I, I just want to keep a look on that because if Delore gets hurt, I do think that if, if McLeod is behind him and he is the solidified number two, um, he might just be a game player where he's just going to go out there and like, I mean, he can run hopefully, you know, hopefully that, that wound is healed. I think he broke his leg. I forget what it was last yeah. year. Um, but if he's back a hundred percent, like he adds, he had something to this offense. And even when it was Gunnar Cruz, you could, you could see like up oh, the tight ends open up oh, the, um, you know, right. like the, the flat route oh, was open. Cruz could not make a decision. No. Save his life. But that's like, the other, I mean, and when we evaluate like McLeod or any of the quarterbacks from last season is like the coaching staff clearly thought they had a problem at wide receiver <laughs> and, and tight end. And they brought in, it's like a line change. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, at, at those positions. So like Arizona's received, like, I mean, we should, and I like the wide receiving coach hire that they made from San Jose state. Like, I, I think that they should in theory, like, the quarterback should be in a better position. In theory, the offensive line should not be having to protect for so long. It's not to say, like, I think there is one in particular glaring weakness on the offensive line in particular, but. Yeah. Well, let, let's shift over to the the wide receivers that are going to be catching the passes and the tight end. I think this is a strength also. And, I mean, you have just some really interesting pieces. You get uh, Jacob Cowing, one of the best you know, uh, wide receivers at the, uh, group of five level. And by the way, like sometimes you get those transfers and you're like, Oh man, is he going to like, he, he was somebody that uh, there was a lot of teams that were really wanted him on their team. Oh yeah. Like Oregon. I mean, there are a lot of teams that wanted him. His son is in Phoenix. Yes. And, and we will gladly have him both of them. You yeah. know, like <laughs> Thank goodness for that. <laughs> um, Jamari Joyner returns. Um, yep. 
you have a key key and Burnett who I, I'm interested. You know, he's, he's at like the tight end position. So he was like a four star USC commit that flipped. He followed, uh, um, Noah Fafita to Arizona. That's interesting. There's just, there's some interesting pieces here. The thing that makes me a little worried is the five star commit McMillan has, hasn't really been on the same page as, uh, Delora. So I, I, that's also it's like Dolores got to figure that the F out. <laughs> I mean, I think for everyone, right? Like he's really got to figure that. Some of it may be like McMillan's going to play a lot, right? Yeah. Um, and he's a huge get for Arizona. Um, you know, it may be some growing pains with him as well, but like if Delora is not looking for him, like he needs to be right. Like that's somebody that I think Arizona not only needs to develop, like they need to keep him from transferring. Yeah. But you also have guys, I mean, like it's crazy is like they got in Kevin green, who was the guy they got, you know, like, um, who's a, you know, high three star, um, AJ Jones, who's a, a, a bigger guy. Um, who I think was, they got, uh, they may have flipped from UCLA or maybe at least was like competing against UCLA for that, but he's like another big guy. Um, but like everyone transferred out, like ev- nearly everyone except Joyner and Dorian Singer transferred out. Yeah. And, and it was a, Hey y'all, you better like, it'd be nice for you to find another spot. It wasn't a dude like Mejon Wright, who we talked about a little bit and Jed fish name dropped a couple of times because he liked him so much. You know, he had been, he was on the scout team last season, had to sit out of here because of like, he did like a double transfer and transferred back to Arizona is transferring again because he wasn't going to crack the rotation. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is definitely a strength for them. I'm curious to see how it's complemented by the running game though. Right. Cause like, I thought Michael Wiley was fine, but again, like there, there's reinforcements. You got DJ Williams coming in. He was a, a four-star guy from Florida state tra- transferred. Got speed. I couldn't believe it when they took him, but that's like a, that's a pretty big get. Like he ran pretty hard at Auburn and Florida state when they, when he played. It's, it's like a sneaky pickup that kind of you know, was late too. And there's been a couple yeah. of these for different teams where you're like, Oh snap, they got that guy. Like, uh, the, the, um, the linebacker from UAB for Washington. You're like, Oh snap, that guy right. like transferred in the program. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. they like Rayshon Luke and Stevie rocker. Like I, I think I don't want to call this. I, I, I don't think it's a strength because I also think the, the offensive line is bad, but I think it's going to be better than last year when you saw a lot of Drake Anderson, the Northwestern transfer. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> like, Oh, it's straight. There ain't it's a Drake Anderson. Like, you know, that, that, it's just like, here's your oatmeal, Brian. Oh, thanks, man. You know, like that kind of was the the vibe yeah. with Anderson. Like, and look, tough kid, you know, like I think he'll be a good blocker or something, but I just, the, like he, he wasn't going to jump off the page and drag Arizona's, you know, running game to anywhere where it needed to be. Um, right. I don't think you have anybody on the team now that's going to do this, but so I think it's a weakness, but I'm curious what you think. I mean, I think it's a pretty good. I, I actually think, their the room overall is pretty good. They signed Jonah Coleman, who is a high three star, who's been getting a lot of touches in camp. <clears throat> you have Rayshon Luke, who is probably gonna get used more sort of everywhere, <laughs> especially like in the return game, I think, early on. Um, as he he probably needs to put on some weight before they really use him too much at running back. 
But they they certainly have. I mean, like, yeah, like a lot of these guys. Like, but too last year, like I don't think anyone took Arizona all that seriously when it came to throwing the football around. Like, I think the running game could get better just by having a passing game that anyone actually respects. That'd be nice. And it's a, yeah, it's it's an interesting room. But I think the biggest problem is when you flip over to the offensive line, which I think is a total weakness when you look at what's going on here. And, and it's it's different from you like we talked about UCLA last week, Rob. When we were looking at the, it was like, oh snap, there's no tackles here, <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm really frightened about the depth. But Chip Kelly has done a decent job with bad talent yeah. on that line. Yeah. I do not trust Brendan Carroll and Fish yet on that front because. And like we, we at Arizona, you've seen a number of really good offensive line coaches, Joe Gilbert and Mahalchek, like both make, you know, lemon lemonade out of lemons, you know, and, and, and I just, that, that was not the case. It hasn't been the case the last two years with Brennan Carroll. And I, I just don't see a change here. I think Jordan Morgan at your left tackle is, is good, but and they really like Jonah uh, Sevenea, who is the freshman. And he blew up late. People thought he might actually get upgraded to a four-star because he really dominated at one of the last like all-star games that they had. But the problem is, even with that, Rob, like you're starting a true freshman at guard. <sighs> Good I luck, mean, it's man. better at guard than at tackle. But like, I think the real problem on the line is Peyton Fears. Yeah. Like the, the right tackle. I mean, somewhat depth, too. But like Peyton fears, like you go back and watch that Washington tape, like he can't handle speed Russia. Like he just can't. And I, I mean, I don't think it was injury. He played the most snaps of anyone last season. He just really struggles. And that's, that's my biggest concern is him out at right tackle. I don't think like the fact that they don't have a better option is a, is a really big concern. Like I think Morgan's going to be pretty good. Like he was injured a lot of last season um, and played through. I think Savanea, uh, he's got the size already. You know, like he may not have the strength quite there yet, but I like at guard, he should be okay. I'm not saying he's going to be like, I'm not like, oh, he'll be all pack 12. Like I highly doubt that he will probably play all season and make like the freshman team, you know, cause he played all year, <laughs> but um, Donovan seems fine too. Like, and, and I think they have better backups on the inside and like hand and Naval, but like really, my my biggest biggest concern is is Peyton Fears. Yeah, and Duvall might not be like we'll see. Like I need to read up on uh, the camp to see if he's there because he was in the doghouse. Uh, oh yeah, the, that's the right. Three star transfer from Baylor, who if if he plays, like could be solid. But yikes, if he's not there, it's I mean it's just you're one injury away from an awful awful line. <laughs> right. You know, like some some like you look at USC, you go, oh man, they're one injury away from, you know, there being a problem. For Arizona, it's like you're one injury away from like please light seven candles for your quarterbacks because uh, they're already, you know, running around. Uh yeah. okay. Like flipping over the defense, some good news. I think this defensive line is a strength. And it's been a strength for the last couple of years, which has just been a revelation for anybody that's watched Arizona football for the last couple of years. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it felt like, I mean, even going back to like Mike Stoops last season, like they couldn't get really good pressure. It's been like a freaking decade. God, that's a depressing thought. Uh, but there's some real positives, right? Like, I mean, like uh, Bars, I think, I mean, he had eight tackles for a loss last season, should be fully healthy and good to go. I mean, he seems like a guy that could really make a difference, you know, like, and I, I don't, it's not just us saying that, like, 
you know, like he's, he's somebody that's getting called out by a lot of people as potentially having a good year. And then it's like JB Brown's back. Maybe. I mean, I don't know where he sits, you know, like the Harris brothers are there at the outside too. Hunter Eccles is there, but with like Parrish and, and, and Savea, you know, potentially like rotating in by bars. It, it does feel like they actually have a little bit of depth and, and, and like weirdly, like, I, God, like this stuff is always like, I mean, I'm so tired of this with Arizona. Like Jacob, Con- Con- I can't even pronounce his last name. <laughs> anyway, the guy they got from Mater D, the, uh, he was a walk-on that they got. Now he did have offers from like UCLA. He got some run with the ones. Like people are talking about him potentially getting some playing time in. Like, I think the depth is just a lot better at defensive line. Um, and I think that we should see some production, you know, some better production out of some of these guys. Yeah. I mean, like, and it's kind of like if you're a UCLA player or a UCLA fan and you hear Chip Kelly talk about their walk-on program, like it's just, it's the same thing at Arizona where it's just been, oh God, it's been like seven years where everybody's talking about walk-ons. Don't talk to me about walk-ons. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, now Congica, I think it's Congica and it came from, you know, modern day is like one of the best football programs in the state of California. Um, so UCLA offer, we'll see, like, was it the, the more important part to your point, Rob, is that like Jalen Harris has been in the program for a number of years and his brother is a four-star recruit. Hunter Eccles is much, is going to do much better in this Arizona offense than he, or defense than he did at USC. Um, there, there are, there are bodies here to be able to put together a coherent, uh, line. And again, everything's relative. Like, is it a strength compared to organs? No, no, but it's a strength for Arizona. The fact that they have like a, a competent offense, a def- defensive line with a little bit of depth to it. That makes me excited. The linebackers, however, <laughs> like, uh, um, I'm worried, right? Like Jerry Roberts, Anthony Solomon, and then it's just kind Malik of, Reed. Malik Reed's been getting a lot of run. Um, you know, then um I think another former walk on Amon Allen. Oh great. Um yeah. Has been getting some run at the ones. I mean, there's like I don't think they have anybody like I mean they now they did get in. I mean, the expectation is like they did get now they signed Sterling Lane, who was a four star, but he's expected to be more of like an edge player instead of a linebacker, you know, like, I, I don't think they brought in anybody else. Uh, Mercier from Utah. I, I have not heard him mentioned at all in any of the write-ups from, you know, the days at camp and, and like, unlike prior years, like, you know, the beat writers are there at camp. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, they actually can see what's going on. Um, so yeah, like I like I I think it's it's likely the Wisconsin transfer Malik Reed and um, you know maybe Anthony Solomon in there, but like I haven't heard Solomon's name a lot either. Yeah, it, it, this is going to be a weakness. I think I think it's a problem. You're going to have a good defensive line and then linebackers that are questionable. I mean, remember Jerry Roberts was a transfer from like Bowling Green, so that that's yeah. your starting. And he wasn't like an All American. He he was a transfer from Bowling Green. <laughs> so now he's like a yeah. A he's like yeah, I mean, his name's been kicked around too. Yeah, like he he's been in there, um, and and he and Malik Reed, his name's been kicked around a lot. But it's weird. Like I I feel like I should should have like been seeing Solomon's name more, but I haven't. Yeah, yeah. We might have to flip him around. Uh, you know, moving over the corners. I actually think this is for Arizona a strength. Christian Roll. I think the corners. I think the corners are. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Christian Roland Wallace is still here. 
Um, again, he was somebody that USC was after and they made a real push for him late and he's been pretty solid, uh, for the last, I think three years at Arizona, they're pretty excited about him even playing as a true freshman and where he took his lumps, but he's really, he's, he's a decent corner that will likely be like either honorable mention, like or honorable mention or second team, probably pack 12 for Arizona, uh, Trayton yeah. Stukes, like a walk on, but he's like, he's pretty good. Um, no, that's the thing. It's like people people were talking about this last year. It's like he's actually pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah, and and like and and also in camp, still getting what he like. He's he continues to get the press that like, hey, like Stukes is good. He's had a really good camp. Same thing in spring. So I think you're gonna have a, a decent like he's good enough to beat out the four star Isaiah Rutherford from um, the transfer from Notre Dame, who is gonna be the, like that third wheel. You got DJ Warnell, yeah. like Gunnar Malinato came over for like it's just there, there's some there's enough bodies. Well, Rutherford here. is not getting talked about like the guys getting talked about behind them are like Ephesians Prysock. Who's a like? Who is a legit six three <laughs> corner that they signed? Who's a real high? I mean, he's a four star um, that they got. Um, that I think they can that they flipped from USC. And then who's their other one? They had signed another big corner, um, Takario Davis, who's six two in there. And like Dwayne Walker can coach in the secondary. Like in Arizona's weakness yesterday, you know, was not full on not last season at the corners, it was at the nickel <laughs> and, uh, and, and some of the safeties. Yeah. That's, that's the problem. Like I think the corners are a strength. The safeties have been a disaster for Arizona for the last six years. And they returned Christian young and Jackson Turner. Well, the other young's gone. Was it Jaden young? Like he sucked. He couldn't cover. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't like, know. Christian young can hit and he can cover, but like, yeah, they they really struggled with when they because you're going to spend most of your time in nickel and that like that was the problem last year. It was like their nickel wasn't good, um, and then you know the other young couldn't couldn't cover it all. Yeah, keep keep a lookout for that. I, I just uh, they moved somebody over. Like I'm trying to remember who they moved over. Was it Maldonado? The nickel spot. Oh, the nickel yeah, spot. they yeah, I think they did move over Maldonado to take the nickel. But anyway, like I like I don't think that like look I don't think they'll be as bad as they were last season. Like they have like significant reinforcements, <laughs> um, and at the very least, like you can move over, you know, like one of the guys, like Rutherford or somebody. Like they've got they've got enough depth that like I think someone will stick. And like like we talked about with, you know, where they I think they like Priceock and Davis. Like those guys could also you know, come in and, and play. Now they may not like they're big bodies, so you may not really want them, you know, on a, uh, on somebody in the slot, but, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to like, I, I think that there's a lot more to feel confident about with this squad than, than before. Okay. Well, let's wrap Weirdly. it up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, let, let's wrap it up here. Let's, uh, who are some players that, you know, and not, there aren't a lot of people watching Arizona football. So <laughs> enlighten right. the entire audience. <laughs> who, who should they be keeping an eye out? I mean, it's cowing, right? Like he's your yeah. number one guy to keep an eye on. And then uh, McMillan, right? Like, I mean, the big sign, I mean, the biggest Arizona signing in, in uh, years, right? Like the, I think the best, the best sign, I mean, like the best signing that Arizona's had in its history, right? And then Burnett, if he gets on there, 
and then bar, I would say bars in the secondary as well as Christian Roland Wall or bars on the defense and then Christian Roland Wallace. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's some legitimate pieces on this team. It's just, there's legitimate holes too. So it's, um, you know, like again, everything is relative. I mean, this team's probably going to win three games and looking at their schedule here, Rob, it's, uh, it, what are the, <laughs> it's funny. Cause like the, the question is kind of stupid. What are the hinge games? And it's like Colorado, <laughs> North Dakota right. state, right? Like that's about it. It's a brutal schedule. Maybe Arizona state. I think, I think that territorial cup can be, can be really competitive this year. I mean, look, they got, they got to go and they got to go beat San Diego state. Yeah, they, they have to, I mean, it's on the road at their new stadium. Like, like tickets are sold out, <laughs> you know, like, but San Diego, like, I mean, that, on this schedule is a winnable game for them. Like they're San Diego state. The, the offense has been terrible for years. Um, they're projected to be San Diego state's a four, almost a five point favorite at home against Arizona in beta rank. Like that's a game they got to go win. And they got to have like, they're, they're going to have a shot against North Dakota state. Like, I mean, that's not like North Dakota state is a lower division team. They're not going to show up and just blow the doors off them. Right. Like last year's Arizona squad, they would absolutely do that too. Right. But then it's like, like for the, like, this team is not going to a bowl and that's okay. But yeah. Yeah. like, it's, it's Cal keep an eye there. Right. Not because like, cause like Cal, like I don't think any of us are like big believers in Cal's offense suddenly making a big turnaround. It's Colorado. And then there's like a couple, then it's going to get rough. <laughs> but then you've got like, look, I don't think UCLA is going to be so overwhelming that they're going to blow the doors off Arizona or Washington state or ASU. Right. So it's like you pick up one or two in the back half there. Right. Like, like a successful season for Arizona is getting to like four wins. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, and you could like, I like, but they're this team for what we know right now, you just want to look and see, like, if you look here, there's one count North Dakota State. There's two, three, four, five, six, likely seven games on the schedule where they're going to be have a shot to really be in it. Yeah, if you're an Arizona fan, three and competitive. I think that's that would yeah. be that would be the expectations. I think three and competitive, and and some of the, the like it doesn't even have to be competitive against like Oregon. It could be competitive against UCLA and Washington state, you know, like just being able to, and Washington, those types of games, but all right, Rob, we've, we've got an hour and 20 minutes. Let's wrap it up here. Anything else to plug before we uh, tune out? Uh, no, I'm done with the videos. I might do like Washington because some Washington fans asked me about a preview video for their team. Um, I'll decide that when I get back from backpacking. <laughs> but check out Sharp College Football as we get it towards the season. I'm excited. It should be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm ready for football. Yep, me too. Thanks for tuning in. We will do two more teams next week. We'll dive more into fall camp, and we'll catch you then.